Jack, Levi. The Book Club from Hell. Hello everyone, this is Jack with The Book Club from Hell, a poorly funded branch of the CIA dedicated to surveilling and terrorising Terry Davis's ghost. We are back after a break and are happy to be making new episodes again. We've made some changes for the new year, one of which is a return to YouTube. If you're currently watching my face move on the screen, then this will seem very obvious. If you're listening to the audio-only version of this episode, but want to see what we look like, then the link to our YouTube channel is in the show notes. Today's episode is on Terry Davis, God's chosen programmer. Terry was a schizophrenic man who, alone, built the operating system Temple OS, the design features of which were given to him by God, and which was to serve as the third temple. This operating system was used by Terry to talk to God, as well as to give offerings. There's a huge amount of Terry lore, as he extensively live-streamed himself programming, talking to God, and walking around, etc. Much of this lore is endearing, much is sad. His delusions of being persecuted by the CIA led to many of his more memorable moments, shouting racial slurs while programming to disrupt CIA psychological control tactics, as well as the inexorable decline of his ability to live in the world, ending in his lonely death, homeless, struck by a train. Now that that's out of the way, it's shilling time. If you like what we're doing with this podcast and want to support us, we have a Patreon account, the link to which is in the show notes. People on Patreon can access the notes I make for episodes, so long as those episodes warrant coherent notes. So if you want more information on the books or manifestos we've covered, you can find it there. Additionally, I've published a novel called Tower, which you can find on Amazon or on Apple Books. Links also in the show notes. So if you want to learn the etymology of the term glowy, then listen on. Enjoy. So for listeners who aren't aware, Levi does have some domain expertise in computer science. Or yeah, like, not very much. Yeah. <laughs> you need a master's of Slightly software engineering. Jack. Yeah, no, you've got a lot more experience with this than I do. So Le- Levi hasn't written his own operating system as far as I'm aware. And as Terry Davis <laughs> said, there are two types of programmers. Those who've written their own compilers and those who haven't. I'm not sure if you've written your own compiler <laughs> yeah. using your own branch of C no, not yet. to talk to God, but maybe one day you will. You'll make the success of Holy <laughs> I can dream. But what was your experience of, of learning about Terry Davis? Because for me, there is a wackiness to learning about this man, a man whose worldview was, on the whole, in large part, scrambled and to a greater and greater extent as he got older scrambled by schizophrenia and watching his videos it's very clear that his psychosis gets denser as he gets older but that combining with domain expertise at quite a lot of lucidity at least in terms of how he's talking the clarity of his speech he perseverates less he mumbles less he seems a lot brighter when he talked about technical topics even towards the end of his life that was very marked for me but I imagine that that juxtaposition of, on the whole, a scrambled model of the world, but within that lucidity when it comes to computer science, would be even greater for you, given that you understand the technical aspects um, uh, that that he's talking about to a much greater extent to me. How was that? Yeah, it was strange learning about uh, Terry's life because as a programmer like most i think most programmers have at least heard of him in very vague terms like for example fireship uh has a video about 
Temple OS and Holy See, I think. And I think Prime, like the Primogen has covered, like has looked at Holy See and that sort of thing. So very, but I've not, I've not done a deep dive into him before. Mm. I mm. found learning about Terry Davis um, actually like quite sad, to be honest. Yeah, very um, sad. Because, <laughs> yeah, because he's, he was obviously a, very intelligent person and very technically capable. And by the sounds of it, when before his schizophrenia became, um, you know, so severe that he couldn't like hold down relationships and stuff. But before that, um, from what I heard from like um, just like radio online and stuff from his family members, he was a really nice person as well. Mm. <laughs> Despite what some of his like more hostile rants might um, yeah, convey yeah. of him, I think it's like were... several people that I've so, heard yeah. talk about Terry. So I listened to a number of programmers talk about their experience of learning about Terry and watching his videos. Interestingly, everyone calls him Terry. Everyone's on a first name basis with this man, but yeah. <laughs> several of them in various ways have talked about developing a Terry filter in order to. <laughs> to watch his videos and yeah. read his writings and like yeah you need to develop a terry filter given that like i'm sure in like quoting him he he loved to use the n word i will just render that as fella whenever if if i'm to quote something that he <laughs> says cuz it's very hard to avoid that word if you're quoting anything that especially later later in especially life. later terry the the fella word comes so up so for people who who haven't who haven't like um done a deep dive into him? If you watch enough of his videos, and there's a lot of hours of his video- videos, oh, because I've watched about fifteen hours, and I've only scratched the surface. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched a lot of Terry. Uh, he uh, and the, people have like stored highlights, and there's uh, like at least one YouTube archive channel of his stuff because um, he deleted all of his all of his own videos before he died. So. There's an uh, archive.org, I think, he got- which has just everything he's done, including the ones where he's like oh, nice. mas- masturbating in his van in in Nevada. <sighs> Hectic. Yeah. So as he as he's um schizophrenia progressed, is it is it true that it's definitely a progressive disorder, but is it also considered a neurodegenerative disorder? Potential there's aspects of it that are neurodegenerative. Yeah, so I I have to preface Anyways. this by saying the etiology of schizophrenia is poorly understood, very poorly understood, and you know, that's reflected in our treatments of it, uh, basically to try to bomb out the dopaminergic system. It's yeah, our understanding enough. of it is crude. Our our methods of managing it are cruder. It's progressive. It's it's unclear. It depends what you mean by neurodegenerative. Is it neurodegenerative in the same way that something like Alzheimer's is neurodegenerative? It doesn't appear so, right. but it's it's not clear. But it is it nonetheless. It is a progressive disorder, and so his gets mm. worse and worse, especially when he stops taking medication. And so as he like his streams become more and more volatile, and mm. he he has a paranoid delusion that say like the CIA and the FBI are. Like watching him and, and that sort of stuff, all those sort of classic delusions, and he developed this and the, theory and the that, BBC, uh, the, the, the British Broadcasting the Corporation, for all you boomers out there who don't know what it stands for, <laughs> the uh, the CIA 
might be watching his stream. So every now and then he'd just like drop an end bomb or whatever because mm. he's like, well, they can't, they're not allowed to engage with yeah, to resist you know, their, the psychological their super woke or whatever. They use. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and he would, all, he was also prone to just like um, go off into uh, rages. But mm. what's interesting is, uh, and I got this piece of information from, uh, there's a podcast called The Digital Human by BBC, no less. <laughs> uh, One of the many organisations like, that has an episode <laughs> in his quest to build the third temple. <laughs> that, that covered his life. Um, and they made an interesting point that in schizophrenia or autism or other like similar disorders, um, and I think this even happens in Parkinson's in a slightly different way, uh, people have will have potentially an activity or a, conversa- a topic of conversation um, for which lucidity will return. A really striking example of this is like people who learned to dance when they were young, when they get Parkinson's mm. and their gait becomes very disrupted. When you put on music and ask them to dance, they can dance, which is really mm. interesting. Mm. Um, but then when they go, when the music's off and they just go try to go about their normal activities they they have all the issues that people parkinson's have um and for terry his particular fixation um or like thing that restored his lucidity uh was technical topics and programming so he was able to focus on his programming and when he was programming he was able to you know deal with some pretty complex computer science issues and also talk about them but as soon as he started talking about other things it just Degenerate very quickly. Yeah. It's interesting you say that too, because some of his last videos, so no, this this ties into the the interaction between Terry and various message boards, particularly. Particularly the Something Awful Forums, Kiwi Farms, and 4chan. And the relationship between him and those groups evolved over time. Towards the end of his life, there seemed to be, in as much as these sort of places have a collective personality, a hive mind, there seemed to be a greater respect for him in those places than previously when they just treated him as a, a person to antagonise. And he would have, I guess you'd call them fans, they approach him in real life because at that point... He definitely had fans. He, he was in supporters. Oregon right at the end of his life and he was wandering around on what he would call, I think he called them like Templar walks. <laughs> um, where he would just walk around and live stream himself. He'd just talk to the camera. But people would sometimes mm. you know, offer him food and talk to him. And there's this one interview taking mm. place in, I think it's a McDonald's or some fast food restaurant, where people are asking him specific questions like about the C programming language or about compilers. Mm. And he answers, and granted, I don't understand how compilers work. So he might have just been making it up. But he at least sounded very, very lucid in describing the mm. particular difficulties and how he overcame them with respect to designing the compiler for Temple OS. But mm. then mm. a a video taken the day before or the day after would be incoherent, slurred speech, and not, not only, say, persecution delusions that the, the CIA was out to get him or something like that, but extremely disordered thought. Yeah. So it, yeah, it it is interesting that that distinction with some of I find in the midpoint of Terry's I guess you'd call it his 
his Temple OS career, his there seemed to be this balance between his his delusions and and his technical know-how, particularly in his writings on the Temple OS website. So we, we'll go over some of the mm. writings mm. where he's talking mm. about demands of particularly demands of other companies to basically support Temple OS and its its various file types. <laughs> or the the technical specifications or how you should program using or in the Temple OS environment. It's this this fairly even mashup of clear-eyed technical details and religious delusions. They they really yeah. fit together. <laughs> Whereas later in his life there, like there are many calling more- out Bill Gates for for like insulting God or whatever. <laughs> oh, it's it was specifically he keeps the bringing up bitmap. He really something. hates yeah. bitmap because he said it started out well, and this is why you shouldn't update things. You should design things to be perfect forever, which is how he designed Temple OS. <laughs> bitmap should have been left alone. He said it degraded and became less perfect over time because it kept getting updated. And it's also it's the FAT thirty two system. He really does not like that and seem to really resent that Temple OS needed to have some sort of ability to use that. Mm. Yeah. So I would, I would say like my overall reaction to, to this and, and that maybe we can like touch on more specifics and talk about the operating system, what's interesting about mm-hmm. it, is that I found it entertaining, obviously, to like learn about him. Um, there's a really good documentary online that um can't remember what the youtuber's na- name is but it's called down, down the rabbit, rabbit hole. hole yeah that's it's a really yeah. good one i'll put it in the show notes yeah and that's really good um you can also if you want to play around with it and you know how to set up a vmware um virtual machine on your own laptop or your own computer you can yeah download vmware and download uh there's at least one i'm sure there's several um uh, people like who have published the source code for it, and you just need to like follow their instructions to run run it on your own VM. Um, TempleOS.org is, is still maintained. Like you can just download it off TempleOS.org. And uh, is is that like? It's very strange because how do I put this? Computer science is interesting because it's it's. It's highly, it's a weird mixture of both highly analytical and highly creative thing to do. Mm. Um, and so you know that. It's sort of like good, engineering in general. Yeah, engineering in general. And, um, but obviously I, I don't know as much about those other fields, but f- for my experience, like in software engineering. Levi's um, actually an expert in every form of engineering. He's just being humble. He's actually he's an electrical engineer, aeronautical <laughs> have, engineer, civil engineering engineer. He can, he can just engineer anything. <laughs> Sorry, no, I derailed you. Day, We're trying not to derail I, each other as much. <laughs> one day I'd like to do more engineering study. I need to take a break from, from university, but I would like to do like another engineering I think doing multiple sciences, one of the good reasons doing multiple sciences is like having an appreciation of what's, what unifies science. And I, I'd like to do another engineering degree so I can have that sort of mm. same look on engineering. Anyways, like uh, it's highly creative. It can be highly creative and it can be highly, and it's also highly analytical. 
And so when you have somebody who is good at it, um, and you and you get to spend time working with them, like, um, you, like we went to a fairly good university in in Australia, one that's fairly well regarded, and so sometimes we get like at our university we'd have freaks, just like complete freaks, mm-hmm. <laughs> freaks of nature, and in the computer science school in the department for um, electrical engineering and, and computer science at our school. Um, Every now and then, especially if you meet like an undergrad who's who's just killing it, there's this one guy. You just like work with them, and you know they're just like on a different level. Like it's yep. just they're just yep. so so deep. In it. And I like if you've ever had the privilege of working or like spending time like doing a project or whatever with people like that, it, it's an incredibly humbling experience to just be around somebody who just kind of it's like they're in tune with with the computer or like with computation as such. I know it's really weird and I've never been that good. Um, I've had my moments of feeling okay, but I I know there's levels to it. And people like Linus Tavouds, um, you know, is a really good example um, of somebody who's just like on another level. (laughs) Founder of Linus Tips, for those who don't know. (laughs) He's definitely the guy who founded Linus, Linus Tech Tips. That's him. That's him. That's his claim to fame. So, for, for people who don't know, Linus Tavouds created Git, which is used by every software developer, and he also created Linux. <laughs> and and in I believe the first version of Linux he created by himself, <laughs> but it was also the also known as the operating system that you can use if you want your computer to catch fire if you fuck something up. <laughs> <laughs> also known as the um, uh, Terry called Terry called Temple OS Terry, the Commodore Terry 64. Terry fired a lot of shots at Linux, <laughs> and he called Linux the uh, the the mainframe computer of operating systems. <laughs> he really did like Linux <laughs> so again. His his the shots he fired at other people involved in in software engineering, computer science in general, and other operating systems. Many of them went over my head, but I really like his passion. Like, he did not like Windows. He did not like <laughs> anything to do with Unix. Did not like Linux. He was all about Temple OS. And so I, it was, it was, it was weird. Because- it was particularly, I think, earlier on before it was even called Temple OS. So he started this project in 2004 as a <laughs> J operating J. system. And it J became operating, loose, yeah. those. And then I think Sparrow OS and eventually Temple OS. But it was particularly mm. in the early days, I think, like, Loosethos era, he'd particularly just spam Reddit. Like, talking about <laughs> how good Loosethos was, how bad every other operating system was, and then just... Okay, so it depends what you mean by random text. To Terry's mind, what he was posting was actually the, the, the direct word of God. What other people would see it as being would be using a random number generator to just select words from a I don't know how he did it specifically like words from a dictionary or something and just then post no, it was in addition to his insults a, <laughs> like of Linux and Unix. <laughs> he created a random a random word selector, but yeah. I believe it selected words that he had picked from the Bible. So they were all biblical words. Is that mean he just he put in all of those by hand? I don't know what he did in order to get it in there. If he like scan, like a, I don't know, there might have been just a Bible 
text available for him to to mm. like load in. <laughs> but maybe put them all in there by hand. It wouldn't, it actually wouldn't surprise me if he did it by hand. <laughs> yeah. If he hand selected the words that he wanted in his generator. We can get into his yeah, random so I, stuff later, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just felt like like watching some of his things is kind of like um watching somebody who could have been one of those extremely important potentially programmer. Mm. And in a weird way he has actually become an important programmer in his own in his own strange way because actually other programmers are still responding to him and think about what he says and occasionally post there's like videos mm. of people thinking like well Terry said this and I've been thinking about it and like <laughs> and you know it was kind of in between crazy rants but if you just like isolate that one part <laughs> he had something really yeah. interesting to say about the nature of programming or like whatever um so he has been weirdly influential and important but yeah I think mm. he could have it's sad because he could have been potentially like a really, you know, influential um, computer scientist or whatever. Yeah, it's also sad just seeing the effect of of untreated schizophrenia on a person. In that he, yeah. like, he died. It's unclear if if it was suicide or not, but he fell under a train at a really young age. I think he was in his forties. He was homeless. Yeah. He'd been living with his parents in Las Vegas but was was kicked out of home because he became completely unmanageable like there there are videos of him filming himself screaming at his parents things that are, are just completely incoherent like there was this one video where he's just screaming at his elderly mum they're raping the dog over and over and over again mm. and he had to be kicked out yeah, of home because he ever- assaulted his dad like he, his life was just like torn a, to pieces an, by this illness. An, an interaction with somebody who's got really severe schizophrenia. Um, it's like it, it can be pretty, pretty scary, like um, hmm. especially if the person's potentially violent. Like, um, yeah, so I can understand why eventually he, his parents would have to like try to get him into a different living situation and be, yeah. yeah i don't know much dangerous. like i only know sort of what's publicly available about the situation but like if you're yeah if your adult son if you're elderly and your adult son is unpredictable very aggressive and at least on one occasion physically violent then like what what can it's you do there's, there's no good outcome to that really no yeah so it was really sad to see this person with a lot of talent like any schizophrenia is, you know, like sad anyways. But like, uh, I guess there's this extra edge to it when the person's particularly talented. And what's interesting though, is there's also this movement. Again, this was mentioned in the Digital Life podcast or digital, sorry, the Digital Human podcast. Uh, there's this art movement called um, Art Brute or Outsider Art, which mm. specifically is about like people say, I don't know, they're in a mental health ward or something and they're creating art and it turns out that they're actually unbelievably talented but they they're outsiders in in that they're outside society or they're outside the mainstream art and it turns out there's been people from that community or from the art brute movement who've taken a real interest in temple os and regarded as like a great piece of like a like a, a world-class piece of art in computer mm. science like computer computational art <laughs> 
It is. So I've, I have not installed it on my computer, but it, it's painful to look at. So apart from anything else, it's, it's a unique <laughs> UI. I don't understand the technical aspects behind it. <laughs> so for people who go and have a look at it, he had a mandate from God to stick to 640 by 280p. By, by 480. It, was it 640? Like, oh, by, sorry, 480p. <laughs> so, yeah. and, um, Here's the aspect ratio. <laughs> yeah, that be, so, yeah, not that weird. And, and use like a 16... Um, six only sixteen colors for yeah, him. yeah. Like he don't support the sixteen specific colors um, and no network. And so it's pretty, it's pretty weird. It's pretty weird experience. Yeah, to watch and like play around with. People are still are, like adding. There stuff are to it, so like. many videos of him just streaming himself, programming different features, showing off different features, including a very long series where. He's addressing himself to Larry Page, one of the one of the co-founders of Google, and introducing Page to the functionality of Temple OS, including some of the really wacky features, which we'll get into later. We should talk a little bit about Terry's life first to contextualize this a bit, but including the like talk to God features of Temple OS, which is <laughs> I wonder if Larry like Larry Page is probably aware of it. Now that, like the Terry, Davis I'm sure he would have seen it by now. Was yeah, <laughs> was, was making videos for the him. Terry Davis, the greatest programmer. <laughs> yeah, the greatest programmer of- <laughs> chosen by God to build the third temple. I am the smartest programmer that has ever lived, Terry Davis. Yeah, he really rated himself. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Uh, a bit, a little bit about his life. Yeah, a bit about his life. So he he lived from 1969 to 2018, and he was born in Wisconsin in the United States. He died in Oregon, and he was 48 when he died. Seventh of eight of eight yeah. children. His dad was an industrial engineer, so he was from an educated family, and he was around computers from a really really young age. In primary school, he used an Apple II. He learned assembly language on a Commodore 64 as a teenager, and he got a master's degree in electrical engineering from Arizona State University in 1994. And it's quite funny. He talks about, I'm not sure what it's like with engineering. Like, you can fill me in on this. Mm. He, at several occasions, noted that electrical engineers were above software engineers in the engineering <laughs> hierarchy. So he, kept, he kept mentioning, he's like, yeah, I know I program, but I'm actually an electrical engineer, so... I'm shitting on all of those <laughs> other those other people who just learned software engineering. I don't know if there's a hierarchy. I'm not an engineer in in any shape or form. Is there? <laughs> um, I don't think there's a hierarchy, but obviously I'm biased. But there is that some people do think there's a hierarchy of some sort. Does the top um, always happen to be whichever degree the current person science. talking about the hierarchy happens to hold? <laughs> yeah, so if you're talking to a mechanical engineer, then mechanical engineers that. are clearly <laughs> the best. Yeah, or aerospace or whatever, and they'll come up with some justification why. Like, Although I've never heard like a, um, a civil engineer make this argument. <laughs> but, yeah, with I, I think so there's a misconception about there's a few misconceptions, in my opinion. One of the misconceptions is the nature of mathematics. And mm. um, in computer science, there's 
a particular type of mathematics. Well, there's, I mean, there's lots of different types of mathematics that you can get involved with, with computer science. Um, but in general, like it's not to do with things like, unless you're doing machine learning, um, it's generally not to do with things like uh, functions and number theory and vectors. It'll be like things to do with like graph theory or computability and complexity or, I don't know if you go into machine learning, yeah, you'll get into like stats and stuff. So electrical engineering is very maths heavy and you do all sorts of maths. Um, and I think there's this like sense that having done more, especially like what people classically think of maths, which is like continuous functions and like differential equations and stuff. You don't have to do that in computer science if you don't want to. Um, you can just stick to like nice discrete maths and combinatronics and stuff. Um, yeah, so I just think there's a misconception about like what the nature of mathematics is like and and like that there's some hierarchy between the different types of maths. I think like they're just abstractions and some people like different abstractions. So mm. <laughs> like I really liked um combinatronics and graph theory and stuff. And until recently I didn't really like continuous functions that much, although recently I've taken interest in it. But um electrical's interesting because like at the end of the day, you need some physical system to perform mm -hmm. the computation. And yeah. so electrical engineers, especially if they've done like that low-level systems programming stuff, they do have a very, I think, a strong basis for getting into computer science um, because they might be like all the way down at setting up like basic circuits. So like you've got to hmm. – the basic idea with computer science is like composing composing things together to make like higher and higher abstractions and electrical engineers like work all the way down on the circuit boards like creating logic gates and stuff and they've got to combine those up into like larger and larger structures until you can get to the point of having something like assembly and then eventually mm -hmm. like having compilers and virtual machines and operating systems and so i can understand that if you looked at an application programmer who's just like working at an extremely high level of abstraction on like web frameworks or like inside of like an environment like um i don't know like mobile operating systems or something you might feel a sense of superiority because you you might have more of an understanding <laughs> like what's lower level but i just think that there's just different problems at different levels like just because you know about like how an operating systems work doesn't mean that you know how to like deal with i don't know like consensus problems in a distributed system like it's totally it's just different domain of expertise um so yeah i know I, that I was think a way a more in-depth answer than i was anticipating i was expecting <laughs> like a yes no and then maybe a sentence of justification <laughs> so you talk so about because the nature of different forms of mathematics <laughs> yeah because like like so what what we do when we're like creating abstractions and then trying to get like an explanation or a piece of technology to work is we need an appropriate abstraction and we're we're claiming that 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 abstraction corresponds to like some physical aspect of the world and the question is just like, well, what's the right abstraction to use? Like, mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. in, I don't know, like distributed computing, you need to think of it in terms of nodes in a network. Like you don't really have a choice. And 
um yeah like that's the abstraction to use and if you like those sorts of abstractions and you like thinking about that stuff then maybe distributed computing is for you but if you really like other forms of abstractions like functions or whatever then maybe a different form of computing is for you like i don't know if you really like statistics for example like you should go into machine learning because that's like essentially statistics um yeah anyway yeah so, oh, shut the fuck he, up grew, about this. he grew up catholic <laughs> became an, became an atheist i think as an adult and remained an atheist for some of his adult life so Actually, one one thing before 1996, when the Terry Davis we know really started, is that he he worked for Ticketmaster for a number of years as a programmer for VAX or VAX machines. Oh, between 1990 and 1996, I don't know what these machines are. They're some sort of computers, but he worked he worked as I, I don't know, like a software engineer or something like that for a number of years. So not only had he worked with computers as a teenager and then studied at university, but he also worked in this field for quite a number of years. He had a lot of domain expertise. But Terry really became the Terry that people people think of when they hear Terry Davis. He, he became as such in 1996 when he began to experience what were then described as manic episodes. I'm I'm not sure if he he had bipolar disorder in addition to schizophrenia or if these were just misdiagnosed. But initially he was diagnosed as bipolar and got a schizophrenia diagnosis later. Anyway, at 96, he experienced a revelation from God. From this point on, he was admitted to a psych ward roughly every six months due to these, at the time, what were called manic episodes. His delusions were mostly centred on aliens and government agents. The government agent angle became more prominent and I think more dominant as he got older. He was really focused on Rage Against the Machine lyrics, particularly one, I quote, some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses, just from killing in the name. He really, really focused on that one for, for a while. And his, his psychotic episodes got really severe, really, really debilitating. He, um, on one occasion, he believed that suited figures were following him, so he, he drove hundreds of, of kilometres to the south of where he was living. I think at this point, uh, I forget where he was living, he he moved around the southwest US. Now, he he drove hundreds of k's away from where he was living with no destination. He became convinced that his car radio was communicating with him, so he dismantled his entire vehicle in a search for tracking devices, threw his keys into the desert and then just wandered around aimlessly at the side of the road. He was picked up by the by a police officer. He escaped from the patrol vehicle broke his collarbone in the process, so was taken to hospital. He was very, very distressed there. He, he believed that doctors were talking about artefacts that they'd found on an X-ray of his collarbone. Um, he, he interpreted this to mean X-ray artefacts, and so he ran away from the hospital, attempted to carjack someone, and it was, was arrested. 
sent to jail or put in jail. There he stripped himself, broke his glasses, and he he tried to open his cell cell door by jamming his his glasses frames into an electrical socket. However, he he was wearing non-conductive frames, so it didn't work. So he was he was put into a mental institution for two weeks. This this I think gives a sense of how severe his his psychotic episodes were. Like th- this is perhaps the most most florid episode, but he was experiencing these sort of delusions and hallucinations regularly. He he eventually went to live with his parents in in Las Vegas in '96, like the same year. So July '96, he returned to Arizona where he was living after this this long um, <laughs> journey south. There, I think he he was trying to make a three D printer, I think, or something like that, in his apartment, and he set fire to his apartment doing this. And following this, went to live with his parents in in Las Vegas, and started collecting social security disability checks because he just he could not hold down a job by this stage. In two thousand and four, he started to work on. Um, what was at the time, uh, oh, what was it called? What was it called first? J Operating System, yeah, 2004. J, yeah. yeah, it was J Operating System. Then renamed Loose Thos in 2006. 2012, renamed Sparrow OS. 2013, renamed Temple OS. Temple OS was last updated in 2018. So... That that 2004 to 2018 period was when he he started working on his project that would really define his life. Like he's known for Temple OS. Yeah, and it his it was at this work. point that his his religious delusions really started getting channeled into a a project, and that was building the third temple. So God's third temple was Temple OS. And he, he declared so it complete in to... 2018. He said, like, Temple yeah. OS is complete. And oh, what, what he said, I'll look for the quote. He said something like, yeah, here it is. Oh, in mid-2013, sorry, he said that um, God's temple is finished. Now God kills CIA until it spreads. So he, he finished <laughs> God's temple in, in 2013. But he kept issuing updates until, until shortly before his death. So I, I think you do need to like give him um a lot of credit. It's unbelievably um not uh not the technical stuff, but just the the idea that the third temple should be some sort of computer program mm, is actually like a really pretty a cool, really actually. amazing idea. Yeah, it's actually an incredibly good idea. Like you could imagine like writing a sci-fi book or something about like the third mm, temple mm. actually exists in like cyberspace or something like snow crash except like an, a religious version of snow crash or something like that um and it's uh you know like we're going to create um my my main criticism of him though would be like to me the third temple in cyberspace it would be much more interesting if he had like if it had been some sort of like unstructured distributed network 
that maintain some sort of like pure and unalterable truth about the relationships between all participating parties. That would have been an amazing temple of God to have created. But he didn't Are quite. Are you talking get about there. the blockchain, Levi? Oh wow! It's funny that would you that be a reference? Well, to, I mean, that re- to, to not only some. Well, sort now of that you now that you to, say it, to now the that you say cryptographic it, asset <laughs> that converts uh, physical energy into cryptographic <laughs> security for all consenting participating participants. Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, that, that would be that an amazing one. idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, interesting idea. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see, like, what the third temple really is. But um, yeah, I have my if it happens my, to be my Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if people already say if, um, Bitcoin is a religious movement, so we may as well declare it the fourth <laughs> temple after Temple OS. <laughs> after Temple OS, perfected. Um, yeah, no, it's so very creative. What the um researcher that i was listening to talk about uh she was talking about these people with schizophrenia and those sorts of diseases she said that they often have like a fixation something mm. like you know it might be a piece of art or like a, a a they end up creating like a body of work and they like dedicate their life some not, not obviously not everybody with schizophrenia but some people who exhibit this sort of thing and um the people that like the art brute movement are interested in are these people that have like some fixation on creating, creating something, and then they'll just spend all their time doing that, and and it it actually like in a way it gives them a release from their condition, like it allows them to just focus on creating this thing. Um, yeah. So in a, in a weird way, it could have been good. Like maybe the only time that maybe he felt stable was probably when he was working on this. Yeah, I mean, somewhat it getting to the like the the end of his life was was really really sad and at least if his videos are an accurate reflection of his his subjectivity which I'll just assume they are I think he was extremely lonely. So yeah, extremely. I think I, yeah, I mentioned earlier that he he moved into his parents' place in in Las Vegas. And earlier in the episode I mentioned that he got kicked out of home because he was becoming increasingly aggressive, harder and harder to handle for his elderly parents, and he assaulted his dad and was taken to court over it. Mm. And once this happened, yeah, in 2017, he was arrested for assaulting his father, was no longer welcome at home, became homeless. By this stage, he had he had some degree of minor internet celebrity, and he was actually supported by people from 4chan and 8chan who who watched his streams because he was streaming very regularly. He had a page on his website where people could donate. He lived in and streamed out of his van. Um, he, he failed to show up to court, actually, after he'd been charged with urinating in his van, and he was arrested for this. The owner of 8chan paid for his bail. So he he's also this... It's a very strange dynamic when you have someone who's so unusual and very, very publicly unusual, where sometimes they will get picked up by internet communities. And in this case, there was a very strange relationship between him and 4chan, 8chan, Something Awful, and Kiwi Farms, where certain users on those those sites would harass him, particularly... We'll talk about his relationship, you know, 
quote-unquote relationship with Diana Cowan or Physics Girl at some point. So certainly you had people who really tried to antagonise him and make his life worse, but also some who tried to help him by, for example, paying for his bail or, or mm. funding him so that he could eat. Mm. Anyway, he disappeared for a few months in 2017 from the internet, reappeared in 2018 in Oregon. He'd lost his van and laptop. He recorded videos on his phone. He looked much worse in these videos. Like, mm. Long hair, much more unkempt, just older and more haggard. Mm. During this period, he would still he would still sometimes be interviewed by fans where people would respectfully ask him questions on computer science topics, as I mentioned earlier. He was remarkably lucid in these. And then he, his last few videos are almost the saddest because that's where he's the most obviously scrambled. He'd talk a lot about... He'd talk on a telepathy phone to Elon Musk and Jim Mattis about designing new Temple OS features on stream. And then, and, and, and then he, he died. He got run over by a train. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting, where- like, uh, th- there's an interesting aspect there about kind of saying the best and worst of what can happen on the internet because you have, like, yeah, people yeah, who definitely. really valued valued him and wanted his insights and su- tried to support him in whatever ways they could. And then other people who just, I just think like the antagonist, the stories of how he was antagonized are just, mm. just, uh, just really like disgusting behavior <laughs> to be honest. Actually, so just, that, this like, is how I got onto it. My, yeah. my very, very runaway train of thought, which, <laughs> which got immediately <laughs> derailed talking about mentioning the loneliness. <laughs> so uh, th- this is something yeah. that people really, really, used against him in a a really horrible way. So he was a really lonely man. So it's not unusual for people with schizophrenia to be socially isolated. He was becoming increasingly socially isolated. And after he said that he'd completed the Third Temple, which was this project that I think gave him meaning, he, at several points in the streams after about 2013, that I saw, he would say, you know, it's, it's just me and God. I'm talking to God every day with Temple OS and I've built the temple and I'm really pleased about that, but I'm lonely. People, so for those who haven't seen his streams, which I'm assuming is most people listening or watching, a lot of his streams, they'll be really long, like hours long, and it'll just be him scrolling the internet, flicking over to to the, the talk to God feature of Temple OS, getting like, some random words from God, posting them on a message board or trying to interpret them, browsing the news, watching YouTube, just flicking between all sorts of things like that. He began to fixate on this particular YouTuber called Physics Girl, named Di- real name Diana Cowan, and he, he became really fixated. And people from, I forget which particular message board it was, but again, it would have been Kiwi Farms, 4chan, 8chan, or, or something awful, or probably people from all of those places, mm. began to impersonate Diana Cowan. And he was, he was very credulous, and he believed that she was communicating with him. Eventually, they got married 
and he would have videos of him just like wandering around in a parking lot talking about how why he he doesn't know why Diana's not here with him or addressing her personally saying I don't know why you're not here with me we're married but I trust you that you're doing well and waiting for me he really bought into their impersonation of her like he'd he'd video himself masturbating just like for such, her in his van like really humiliating Stuff. Such like really such incredibly stuff to do to someone who's so obviously unwell. Such malicious, such malicious. Yeah. There's, like, it's just pure malice. Um, it's a yeah. sort of thing. It's like if the people doing it were thirteen and just uh, their brains were not sufficiently developed to have a notion of empathy, to have a notion of other subjectivities existing, I'd think like it's gross and you should feel ashamed of it. But it's somewhat <laughs> understandable. Just from a developmental perspective, yeah, I, I guess. guess. So, I but suppose. Even, like, even, even then, the, I'm thirteen. That like, would be me being be assholes. More generous like, so, than I should be, but especially like if you're like an adult doing this, you better have a long fucking look at yourself in the mirror. Yeah, like thirteen-year-olds can be like mean and nasty at times, like mm. to each other or whatever. But that's like that's like another level. Like if you're yeah. if, like hypothetically if i had a teenage kid and they did something like that malicious i'd be extremely concerned like i like would just there's something like <laughs> they, they would lose like computer it, rights for a year yeah that's like sociopathic behavior because if yeah, like, they'd be right like to do that to anybody friends. but to do that to somebody who's to, to to do that to somebody who's unwell um and so obviously yeah, I, I think that's really, like you you really, take you you watch one of yeah. terry's videos for 15 seconds, and you know he's not a well person. Yeah. How do you even, like, if you were the person or one of the people who did that and you wanted to talk to somebody who's not one of your fucking internet friends and, like, you're so, like, at the pub or something, like, oh, yeah, so I found this guy online. Guess what I do for fun. So I impersonated, guess what I do for fun? I impersonated this guy's, Mm. like, love interest and then, like, fooled him into masturbating. People just be like... You're a fucking psycho. Yeah, you're a piece like, of shit. Get the fuck I'm away from me. To you. Like, what yeah. the fuck? Like, please, um, please don't contact me. Yeah, like that is a serious level of just heinousness. It's interesting, isn't it? Like the different internet communities, and in particular, mm. like 4chan and 8chan, they can just have this. There's lots of obviously interesting things on those websites for, the, and there's funny memes and stuff. But like, there's also like just this level of like nastiness on there that i just don't really i don't understand like i you you see it on the internet at times no matter what like which website you're on youtube comment sections discord or whatever but it seems like in particular like a couple of those like those web assets like 4chan just have this breeding ground for extra extra malicious stuff yeah it it crosses over into malice more easily in those places than it does in many other places and it's almost like they take pride in it, like, or at least some. I think some certainly do. do. Yeah, it does seem like, insofar as as is. you can really tell on an anonymous message board, it does seem to be age related. Yeah. It seems to be just given how fucking long it takes for the male, to twenty year for male frontal lobes men. to develop. It seems to be yeah. that the people under maybe twenty three, twenty four are a bunch of animals, and then past that. They they develop some <laughs> capacity for empathy, <laughs> yeah, and stop yeah. behaving like chimpanzees. 
So that's sad. Yeah, but that's- at least there were also people who were who were nice to him and, and tried to support him and like would give him food packages yeah. and, and send him money on it's, PayPal. It's the stuff. duality of online message boards. You get you get true mm. malice. Oh, even it's particular you, type you can of, also get of really impersonal malice because I truly think a lot mm. of the people doing this don't actually grok that it is a human being on the other side of that that webcam. Mm. No, it's it's an actual yeah. consciousness. But then, yeah, as yeah. you said, you you also get genuine generosity of people supporting this guy, like paying him money so that he can he can buy petrol, he can buy food. Yeah. Anyways, so, should we talk a little bit hu- about humanity? <laughs> yeah, humanity. Where do you want to go? Do you want yeah, to talk right. about Temple OS? Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's we'll talk <laughs> about Temple OS itself. <laughs> and while we talk about it, I'm sure we'll go over like more of the oddities of of Terry's videos. Yeah, I should preface what I'm about to say with like operating systems are not my domain of expertise. <laughs> it's like I know the bare basics. Levi like. invented Unix. <laughs> That's his his biggest achievement. He he wrote Unix it's by the- himself. There are two glaring holes in my computer science skills, and that's compilers and operating systems, which are things that I've been which is just to get like around the things like that Terry is proudest more. of. Yeah, and he really fucking loves. <laughs> um, so, whatever, <laughs> I'll do my best yeah, to so, talk about so Temple OS. What Terry did is he he wrote Temple OS, the operating system, from he he wrote the entire thing from scratch. So, for listeners, and also for me, when he says he wrote the compiler, the kernel, the operating system, things like that from scratch, both what does that mean and how much work is that? That's interesting. I'm not sure. I have to double check, but I believe he was actually like an assembly programmer. So, he might have been like all the way down in writing a compiler for Holy See in assembly. Um, which if he was doing that, that's like pretty ridiculous thing to do. Um, in streams of his sure. that I saw, he talked about assembly a lot. But again, I like yeah. I know how to program in Python and R. Like I only know really high level languages. I don't understand this stuff. So basically, like, oh, sorry, just getting up some notes here. <laughs> Levi's watching porn for those. those <laughs> on YouTube. You can see Levi's goon face right now. <laughs> His Uh, his big grinning goon face. (laughs) um, Like, uh, I was just looking up like Temple OS stuff to like um, Mm. try to follow along a little bit. Very Um, (laughs) cool. Oh no! (laughs) So, if you learn programming these days, generally you'll start off in something like Python, um, maybe JavaScript. These are very high-level programming languages with like, um, I don't know, like control flow constructs, like for loops and um, functions and and these sorts of things. Um, as you, so how do I put this? Like, you need to essentially like step down the level of abstraction all the way to the point where like at the end of the day, the computer's just got to read ones and zeros and like map those onto like some hardware. There's all these layers that do translation, like essentially translating like high-level concepts, um, almost like 
expanding them out into like whatever like representation is on the next level down. Assembly is one of the lowest um, lowest levels, and you basically need to be writing an assembly to like interact with the hardware. Um, so like I don't touch that stuff as like somebody who's doing stuff in the web and um, and like cloud stuff. I operate at the level of um, like like what's called a process, which is essentially just like a little contained piece of like compute and memory that <clears throat> your application runs in. Um, and it gets access to like any of the operating systems, like um, like the, the functionality that is exposed by your operating system is exposed in this very like um, self-contained little thing called a process. Um, so I'm operating at like a much higher level in the computer stack. Um, he was operating like he had to essentially like write the stuff to interact with the hardware. So things like drivers, I believe he, he wrote like a CD ROM driver. So like you could actually plug in CDs. So like a good example would be like all of your computer, like, um, to, to interact with anything basically outside of like the CPU and the memory, you have to have essentially like ways for the operating system to control those bits of hardware, whether it's like the network card or like any external drivers or whatever, that sort of stuff. He was writing all of those interfaces to make those things work together. And then in particular, one of the main things that a, like an operating system has to do is um, be able to run programs that other people have put on top of them. So all operating systems are platforms for other programs, programmers to build applications. So you have to do things like, like manage concurrency. So like, for example, if you're trying to run three different programs on your computer and you've only got like one core or how many cores you've got, let's just say you've got one core, the operating system has to like switch between the different programs that are running and give them some share of the compute. So there's like like time sharing <clears throat> algorithms and these sorts of things that you actually have to manage the resources and split them up between all the programs that are running. And then you also have to like provide an interface to the hardware for all of those programs. So for example, like writing to the file system, the operating system actually has to provide to your particular process, like, hey, here's like the, the call. If you want to write to the file system, this is how you call it. Um, and yeah, so he was doing all of that, which is very, it's, it's a type of complexity that I think like a lot of programmers aren't necessarily, like all, all large systems become complex, but they become complex for different reasons. Like distributed systems become mm. complex because you have like issues around synchronization of different parts of the system and consistency and you know, like you have to worry about like fault tolerance and redundancy and that sort of stuff. But <clears throat> like to build an operating system, you have to have like a level of cohesion across the entire project that I think like people doing what I'm doing, like web programming, don't necessarily appreciate. Like the entire operating system has to has to work like in a way that like I, I'm okay with things just like kind of breaking and then like patching them up as I like build out the stuff that I'm building. Um, but like that's not really acceptable. So like for, if like, this crashes, systems. does it just like it tanks everything? 
Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, Linux is really interesting as well because they also have made a commitment to make every single one of their APIs backwards compatible. So they've done a lot of engineering so that like, even if you're running something like a program, I was watching this video from Linus. He was talking about like, even if you are running a program that you wrote for like Linux 10 years ago, it should still work. Like they never want to break it. sounds really not fun to update. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So he's managed, they figured out like some engineering so that, they can make progress, but also make their APIs backwards compatible, like for all time and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Bitcoin has a similar thing with making sure that they never do hard forks. Like it's always soft forks and your Bitcoin will always be valid no matter how many upgrades the system gets. So that's really difficult engineering. What's impressive mm-hmm. about Terry, I think, is I think like at the end of the day, if you're interested in something, and you're willing to spend the time on it, like he did. He spent like probably tens of thousands of hours on it. Um, years, like years. In principle, anybody could go and build their own operating system. Um, what's interesting about Terry is that he did it with schizophrenia. Like he did, he did it, he did it yeah. with like a very severe disability. I think that's what makes it particularly impressive. Um, he built a an operating system that works. And that people write programs for and can extend and that sort of stuff. Um, and it's still being maintained. And he th- did that under like incredibly distressing, um, like subjective circumstances. <laughs> mm. That's incredibly impressive. And he's yeah. like, obviously his level of understanding of like hardware and stuff is also impressive. When he talks about, so Correct like, me if I'm wrong. So, like, I hardware. actually don't understand <laughs> these things in very much detail. So, where does Holy C fit into this? So, he had a programming language that he, like, I'm assuming it's a, a fork of C, or if it's in some way based on C, but it's its own thing. Yeah, now, apparently, it's Holy a C of- that that works in Temple OS that he made, and he made a compiler yeah. for. Yeah. So it's based. Apparently, it's a mashup of Basic which is an older language that I think was written on DOS or something, Microsoft DOS, um, BASIC and, and C. So it's got things like like structs and control flows, like switch statements and stuff, so that he could write programs at a, at a high level. So like, mm. how do I put this? Like the operating system's job, part of its job is to hide and protect like hide the details of the hardware from the application programmer and to provide them Mm. with an environment in which they can use a high level language such as c or python and still access services of the operating system like access services so like for example network interface cards like in order for me to write a program to communicate over the network, I have to interface, I have to like send all the bits via the network interface card. So, but I don't want to have to like worry about what network interface card I'm using. And I don't want to worry about like a whole bunch of stuff. I just want to like send bytes over TCP. Like that's what I, that's what I just want to stream of fucking bytes. And the operating system will like deal with all of these like low level concerns about like what is the hardware actually doing? How does it like get in and out of the computer? That sort of stuff. 
Um, yeah, sorry, what was the original question? <laughs> <laughs> was there a question? Originally, I was originally I was asking about how how complex is it and how big an achievement is it to have written your own operating system that functions with with your own programming language functioning within it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Because I, I think I, I think described any- as one man building a skyscraper online. And I'm not sure how. Yeah. How much that holds? Yeah, I because I, I don't really have any sort of intuitions as to how big an achievement this is, apart from many people online when referring to Terry saying, "Wow, this is this is a lot." Yeah, I think any large scale software project, if you do it by yourself, is impressive. So yeah, an operating system. Um, the guy who wrote the Doom physics engine, unbelievably impressive, because there's this thing that John happens Carmack, with software, the like, man who just dreams yeah, yeah. in machine code. Yeah, yeah, or Notch, who like did a large amount of the Minecraft again, Linus. Um, like, there's this, or even like Bill Gates back in the day, like when he was like in the weeds with programming, um, or Steve Wozniak as well. Like, um, what happens with software is is really weird, and the reason why. Um, like as an engineering different discipline, it's like uh, like a bit weirder than like some of the other engineering disciplines. Is you get this thing like I call it entropy in my head. Like as the system grows, it becomes more entropic, and it's like um, it becomes more and more fragile, and the system like becomes harder and harder to make changes to, and to grow, and to add like functionality to. And a huge part of the discipline of software engineering is basically managing managing that complexity and building, you know, like abstractions and interfaces that like help you basically contain volatility and like like protect certain parts of the system from volatility that happens in other parts of the system and all these sorts of concerns. Um, and over any non-trivial system, over I don't know how many thousands of lines, um, tens of thousands of lines. It just gets to the point where you, you just can't keep it in your head. Like it, you're gonna. Mm-hmm. You, you, he bragged that Temple OS was under a hundred thousand lines of code, and that yeah, it varied at times. As he got older, he insisted that it was because God commanded him to. Earlier, I think he just he liked things to be accessible Simple. to the user because he said it's really fun being able to play around with. The operating system. Oh yeah, so that was that is actually um, one of the interesting. But he things. did he did brag that apparently for an operating system it has relatively few lines of code. Yeah, so that's something that is impressive about what he did, which is he had actually one of the quotes that he had. Sorry if I've been rambling too much on this. Like I find it no, sometimes no, hard to like. like express, I explicitly ask you a few questions. Like ex- express I, I want these you to ideas to them. Um. In ways that I, I hope would be accessible to somebody who's done less programming. Um, so uh, he said, uh, hmm, an idiot, quote, an idiot admires complexity, a genius admires simplicity. An idiot, mm. to an idiot, the more complicated something is, the more he will admire it. If you make something so clusterfucked he can't understand it, he's going to think you're a god. That's how they write in academic journals. They try to make it so complicated people are geniuses. <laughs> he was, that was him throwing shade at, at Linux. So what he was trying to do was 
<laughs> what he was trying to do was uh, his throwing shade was one of the best bits about Terry because <laughs> it's, it's his combination of actual technical insights, religious delusions, a persecution complex, and sometimes just flat out incoherence. Like when he starts spamming random words. Anyway, sorry, go on. I was just admiring Terry's way of firing <laughs> shots at developers he doesn't like. So there's um. Like with operating systems, there's this idea of like rings, how far out, like the rings are basically like how much access to the inner workings of the operating system that you Mm. get. And obviously like the deeper in you go, the more power you get to like modify the system, but the more dangerous it can become. So generally speaking, like application programmers will not jump below what the standard is for their operating system, like what it gives them exposure to. But occasionally you might need to like go in and like modify something. Um, But then obviously like operating system design is making that decision around like how much, um, how much access you give people using the operating system. And he opted for this um, design where he basically would, um allow if somebody downloads the operating system they have full access they can get in there and they can tinker with it like that was one of his design goals mm. whereas with linux that's not the case as far as i can understand um so his goal was not only can you write applications for it but you can go in and extend it and modify it yourself and you can tinker with the inner workings of um temple os yourself and extend it however you want and whatever so that was his design yeah. goal that was really interesting and i think that was impressive mm. like his attitude towards Towards the in a few places, extent stability. Again, of the I think this was this was earlier in his life because as he got older, the the commandments from God became stronger, or a more present part of his his justifications for why he did certain things in Temple OS or in his life more generally. But earlier on, he kept bringing up that he designed things in Temple OS because they were fun. So he said, "Oh well." I want the the code base of this operating system to be relatively small so people can can play with it because it's fun. I want them to have access to hardware because it's fun. I want Holy C to do these things I don't understand. But he said that he implemented certain aspects of Holy C in the way he did because it's fun, because it allows someone to come in and play with code, play with the the machine as I, as I assume he did when he was a kid. So I think... On a few occasions, he said he wanted Temple OS to replicate the feeling of him programming on a Commodore 64, but just with more compute behind it. So yeah, that's really being able to tinker with stuff. And I think that's really cool, actually having that as a design goal of being able to let people just do stuff because it's fun and be creative. I think it's great. Like... I really want to get a Commodore 64 now. I'm sure they're like a billion trillion dollars to try to find one. That's Why? You have Temple like OS. <laughs> you have, yeah, you like have it's a historically- holier version of the Commodore 64 <laughs> readily available on templeos.org. <laughs> download it right now. As we are recording, you can download it and install it on a virtual machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be fun to play around with one and also Temple OS. Uh, although, actually, now I think about this, probably like, 
Commodore 64 virtual machine things, emulators that I could probably download. Yeah, probably. Like um, but yeah, that's a really interesting design decision. So one of my favorite Steve Jobs quotes, he said in like the 80s, um, it was like 84 or something, or 83. He said, um, a computer is a bicycle for your mind. And that really struck me. I think that like is exactly the right attitude. And especially back in the sort of 70s and 80s, um, there's this real attitude of amongst like the computing industry around allowing or like extending the creative um, capacity of, of people, which it's not really mm. like, I don't really feel like that's in the zeitgeist anymore. Like, I think um, it's the opposite now. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of consumption that happens through like the computer. Like, a lot of people, like, their experience of computing is that it's essentially like the world's most powerful consumption device, which is, you know, fine i guess like if but to me like you're if you're only using your computer to consume content or to play other people's games you're sort of like missing the vast majority of why these things are so special they're actually um an extension of our mind like they're the most creative most creatively powerful tool we've ever ever created as a species um you can do an infinite number of different things with them. And like these days with cloud computing, for example, you can spin up a globally distributed like ephrem like a like denial of you know, service like auto, on Amazon auto service. scaling systems that like are all over the world and like create something new and interesting and deliver it to millions of people um for like ten bucks a month or something. <laughs> like it's it's amazing. And and people aren't experiencing computers like that. Like uh, most people still mm. can't code. Mm. Um, and they think that there's something difficult about it or whatever. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I feel conflicted about it. It's, it's a bit of a shame really. I feel as though like a lot of people are still not participating in the, even though there's more, obviously there's more programmers than ever and stuff. Um, yeah, I still feel like it's an underappreciated thing. Also, just more thing, people though. than ever. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. For whatever so it's reason, like, it's, it's not have, for everyone. So, yeah, I only have a limited insight into this. So, the furthest I've gone with, I guess, with, just with like tinkering with computers, is making mods and maps for games. Not even functional ones, just like That's playing around with it, and like yeah. particularly build engine stuff, just because like it's easy to run, but. I can I can definitely see the appeal of designing an operating system so that people can play around with it, particularly if he enjoyed it as a child. So trying yeah. to let people capture that magic that he felt as a child, I think is a really cool, really altruistic goal in creating an operating system. It's really good. The fact yeah. that it There's was just... the, the third temple also helps that it, it has <laughs> also a good. religious purpose. There's this, um, I don't know if you ever got to the point of having this experience with computing. Uh, I, I don't know. But like, I think for anybody who sticks with it, there's a point at which you feel as though like there's magic to it. Um, 
Yeah, so a really good example is like on this the, the front cover of this book called The Structure and Interpretation of Computer Programs. It's literally got like two wizards and they're conjuring something and like on the thing that they're conjuring, it's a lambda. There's a lambda symbol for like the lambda calculus, which this was based on. Um, and yeah, like there's this feeling of magic that you get with it. It's like, oh my God, I'm making like an inanimate object. Like I can interact with this thing now. Um, and I've created it with just like my own, my own thoughts. Like it's just pure thought, but it's like turned this inanimate object into like a living thing that I can interact with. It's quite magical. And when you get that, like, it's kind of hard to get across to other people, but like my intuition is like, it would be amazing for more people to have that insight, to feel like the, Mm. the magic and the power and, and that sort of stuff that like this technology can give you as a creator rather than just a consumer. And the fact that Terry was trying to make an operating system that had that capacity in it, like as a core design Mm. goal, I think was actually like quite a beautiful statement about like his, who he was as a person. Yeah. I think it says good things about him. At least as he, so that aspect was important to him. Presumably through his whole life, but it was at least more pronounced earlier on. The the communication with God feature, though, became much, much more important as he got older. There are three functions. So from Wayback Machine, I collected a bunch of pages through the years that Levi and I will go through, the design documents for Temple OS, history of it as told by Terry, a list of demands of other software developers, <laughs> which are which are quite funny. This this long thing about the the meaning of life, but I do want to draw attention to a feature of Temple OS that was really central and takes up a lot of time of Terry's videos, and that's the the communication with God angle. So, as one would expect of the third temple, God features prominently. And the the main way in which God features in Temple OS is in not pseudo-random functions, because for Terry, given that God controls the universe, there is no randomness. Any apparent randomness is actually a direct emanation of God. Therefore, there was, for example, a talk to God function in Temple OS. And so you'd you would enter it. And you would be treated to this cartoon depiction of a man ascending a mountain. I'm assuming it's Moses going up Sinai. It was a part of the Moses simulator. Yeah. He had a Moses simulator. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, there's the Moses (laughs) simulator. And And you could put a sacred cow. I watched a a lot of Moses simulator with Terry (laughs) mumbling over the top of it. And I felt as if... I was beginning to get psychotic after I'd watched enough of it. Yeah, he's, he's little people. So, so, you so you've got Moses it, Simulator, like, and yeah, the, the the animation makes you feel like you're going insane too. So it's like a it's like a green field with people walking around it, and you're like zooming in and then swinging back, zooming in and swinging back, <laughs> and you can do several things. You can select from a, a, a menu. So one of the things you can do is you select. I think it's golden calf, and a golden calf yeah. appears yeah, there. Yeah. And so I'm not a – or no, I should say I am a biblical scholar. Everything I say is completely correct. 
if anyone knows the Bible better than me, which they don't, don't correct me because I'm right. Basically, what, what he's referring to is when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, when they were, I think they were by the base of Mount Sinai, Aaron, who was another person there, I think when Moses was, wasn't he on Sinai talking to God? And while he was up there, Aaron made a golden calf and they all started venerating it, which wasn't cool. So anyway, in this, you can select golden calf and it just, it makes a, like a yellow cow in this field. And all of the figures who had previously been walking around this field at random all just start walking around the golden calf. You can, there's this thing where you can render judgments. And I'm pretty sure these are also randomly generated. So it's like, I forget what it's called. Let's, let's see if I, I wrote it down. Hold court. Yeah. Hold court is the, this particular function. It'll give you a scenario. So one of the ones I saw was a woman commits adultery to a child and you have, you have three options, show mercy, punish, and really punish. <laughs> and there are videos of Terry just like looking at different scenarios and going, mm, punish. Mm. <laughs> just really punish. judgment. <laughs> really punish. <laughs> and, and he'll just chuckle to himself. He'll... <laughs> it's a it's a common feature of Ch- Terry. He laughed less as he got older, but particularly mm. earlier on, he would just start laughing to himself as he was like rendering punishment to <laughs> a child commits adultery to a child. It's a meh. Really punish. <laughs> also, most of the time with these, it would just be like screen capture of him. Every now and then you would see him, oftentimes with like a backwards cap on and no shirt, just like chuckling to himself as he was rendering judgment. So there, there are those features. The one he he had Moses comics. You had um, I think there was one called Map, which was meant to map the Israelites walking for forty years in the desert. And it's it's just like a stick figure walking around in, I'm assuming like some with circles with some sort of random component or ellipses with some sort of random component, and he. There's a particular video of him saying, oh, this is how they would have walked, and then just he starts laughing. But the most important of these functions, at least in his telling, was was talk to God. So you click on mm. it, you get this this animation of, I think, Moses walking up Mount Sinai. And then basically it's, a, I don't know how he does it, like a random number generator and based on that, oh, no, it's a timer. It's some sort of timer, and based on the timer, it'll select a word from some bank of biblically sourced words. But there must be other <laughs> words than those in the Bible, because yeah, he could also probably. ask, like, or he asked, for example, what is he asked God, what is your favorite national anthem, and God answered Latvia, and I doubt Latvia is in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. So, like, biblically sourced words, and then other. Other words. It would select these at random words. when you, I think when you click spacebar. And so he'd just be mashing spacebar and get this string of, of random text and then would try to interpret it. <laughs> he also is, had a one where, that is so nuts. where you would, you would, um, you'd push spacebar and it would make like random lines and, and fill in random parts of those lines so God could communicate to you pictorially. 
And then just the, you um, also had the hymns. Did you listen to Terry's hymns? A little bit. I li- yeah, I've listened to a good. lot of the hymns and you also feel like you're going mad when you listen to them because <laughs> it's all in, it's all either C major or A minor. So just using the white keys of a piano. And it will randomly select notes and and particular timings. And typically it'll have two components, like an A component and a B component of equal length. And the hymn will be of form like A, A, B, B. I mm. think he also randomly generated lyrics to them, but the hymns you hear on Temple OS will be will be just oh, I was gonna say MIDI, but i it's probably not MIDI. It was probably just something he made himself. Mm. <laughs> which is pretty pretty fucked actually. <laughs> the amount of effort he wouldn't even use MIDI. <laughs> He made it all himself. Anyway, yeah. The the hymns, the the auto-generated hymns are really unsettling to listen to for extended periods, which in the interests of this episode, I did listen to them for extended periods. He would also apparently he would for hours and hours just listen to randomly generated hymns till he found ones he liked, and then he would modify them very slightly. And then publish those. So on YouTube, you can easily find hours of Terry's hymns. That's but so. These hymns too, the, the random generation aspect of the hymns, of the pictures, of the, the walk around, around the desert before reaching the Holy Land, of the, the talk to God function. For Terry, these were not metaphorical communications with God. This was God speaking in the third temple. That... <laughs> This was, a, this was a really fundamental feature of Temple OS, maybe the most important feature. Yeah, so he made and this it- random word generator, but he believed that that when he was, was literally executing, God was using the program. So they weren't, they weren't random, essentially, that they were divinely no, inspired, no. randomly generated words. And you just, I was just going to say before, like, this is the... Um, you know, like I, I suppose with schizophrenia, there's a there's a um, or any of those sorts of like um, delusional sort of disorders. There's a there's an issue with finding meaning where there actually isn't any meaning. Yeah, there's an overabundance you know, of meaning, and yeah, and this is a person who had the skill to cre- create a, a source <laughs> on which he could fixate his his to um, make to make a mathematical meaning. construct yeah. upon which yeah. he could project meaning. <laughs> which, if he were not schizophrenic, he would just look at that as like, oh, that's a random number generator. But to him, it was like the perfect cocktail of like, yeah, I know it's a random number generator, but. It's inspired by God. <laughs> so it's but not randomness random. doesn't exist. It's me communicating with God. Yeah. That's why uh, when I talked earlier about how lonely he was, I think mm. this, this might give listeners and, or, and viewers a, a greater sense of just how lonely this man must have been after he'd created the third temple and he was saying in streams, I'm just talking to God all day. I'm waiting for God to to change my life in some way or to do something. So when he says that he's talking to God all day, he is literally just getting random text from a like a random number generator connected to some sort of dictionary or a word bank and interpreting that. that and just that's like his hours, hours interlocutor. 
for for hours yeah. and hours and hours. Like and the, when you actually step the back, the sheer loneliness like that, of this man. Yeah, that's terrifying. Like, yeah, um, to actually like think through like what it must have been like. Yeah, just crippling, crippling loneliness. Yeah, him, yeah, him it's, it's this screams. weird thing where it's like I've done what God, have... God, what God wanted. I'm happy just talking to God, but mm. I'd yeah, I'd like it if God changed my life in some mm. way, or if something changed because I'm just waiting now and talking to God. The man must have been terrifyingly lonely. Yeah, it's like it's it's kind of funny to have a chuckle at certain aspects of it, which are like bizarre. because it, because it, it, it is it's a fundamentally extreme, ridiculous, and impressive absurd. undertaking. But yeah, but when you actually like think through how um how unwell he was, like that is mm. really sad. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel really I it, like my feeling of like learning about his life and learning more about him, not just about the weirdness of Temple OS was by the end of it, I was just like, man, this is a really sad story. <laughs> like, I just feel sad about this. Um Yeah. yeah. Well, there there's a lot to it, which is why it's it's interesting to talk about, interesting to learn about, because it it does balance or it has it has a great deal of of absurdity, a great deal of of stuff that that actually is funny because it's just it's so extreme it's a man as you said earlier a man who had a very warped view of the world but had the technical skill to create this system he's a little universe which could further mm. that that bizarre view of the world mm. the, the fundamentally fascinating thing about terry's life for me is how at the same time his view of how most of the world works or his model of how most of the, the world works was so scrambled, yet within that could sit this remarkable coherence that allowed him to design an operating system so that he could further explore his scrambled conception of the world. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, how about we go private, through some of the, the parts of the Temple OS website? Of talent and insanity. Do you want to start with the... Uh, I sent you the from Wayback Machine, the 2016 TempleOS.org homepage, because here it talks about some of the the features of TempleOS, and also gives you a sense of of Terry as a person. So it says the first thing it says is TempleOS is an x86 underscore 64 non-preemptive multitasking multi-cord public domain open source ring zero only single address map identity mapped non-networked PC operating system for recreational programming. It's like paging is not used. I like so for, straight away a lot of that technical stuff I don't really understand, but he does say it's for recreational programming, mm. and I really like that. It's he's acknowledging that. The fun aspect of creating things. Like, this is for recreation. For this is for fun. This is for exploration. I watched a young And I do appreciate that's, that's front of center. This young programmer responding to him. I can't remember what his YouTube channel is, but he's, <clears throat> he was expressing this. Um, uh, Terry said, um, the reason why we're here is to entertain Mr. God, 
And this other programmer interpreted Mm. that as like, yeah, like having fun is important when you create stuff. Mm -hmm. And so this young programmer is building like a game engine with like a 3D game engine. So he needs to do physics and stuff. And he was saying like, yeah, I know that Unity already exists or Unreal Engine already exists. And if I wanted to create a game, I could just go and create those, like use those and they're really good. But that's not the point. The reason why I'm making my own game engine is because I want to and because it's fun. And like I'm writing everything myself, mm. but I'm mm. doing it because it's fun. And I find it interesting to explore this problem and to make my own things and not use other people's libraries so that you know I have full control over all aspects of the game engine. And yeah, it's not going to be commercially viable, but I'm just doing it for fun. And it, it's important to be able to have fun. And I found that really interesting that he inspired this. And mm. I actually watched several of the, There was another programmer from the PHP community who made this framework called um, TronGate, which is like this high-performance PHP web framework that you can extend. It's like very extensible. And he's like, in his response, he's like, yeah, like I'm doing it this way. And part of the reason why I'm doing it this way is because like some of the stuff that Terry said about like, you know, like essentially doing these things for the fun of it and because you care about Mm. like doing it your way and not just using other people's tools. I thought that was just really interesting. Yeah. It's like turned into like an inspiration for programmers. It's really, it's really interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of inspiration, do you want to open up the Temple OS charter? Because that's that's interesting. We can look through that because you see here that the collision of Terry's religious, like the religious part of Terry's character with with technical considerations. I'll read the start. Why did they make Solomon's temple? It was a direction to look, to focus on, a special place for meditation, to do offerings, a community centre, a home to God's beauty that encouraged love of God. People cherished God's temple, beautifying it with gold and all fine things to show love of God, as great cathedrals were decorated with astounding, awe-striking, intricate art and gargoyles, incredible devotion to God with hours of effort, toiling and slaving away for the glory of God, for families with children to see stained glass windows and tomes with ridiculously elaborate calligraphy to show love of God, from a people who did little else but show love towards God, lived in dire conditions by today's standards, yet with so much difficulty scraping by, found the time to devote even all free time to God. So straight away, and then he starts quoting the Bible, straight away you know that this is, this is a religious project. He's then got a bunch of dot points. Should we read the dot Talking points? about certain design decisions or high-level design decisions of Temple OS. So... I think we do should wanna, just read do you want to run points. through a few like, of these? Yeah, let's run through them. Yeah. It's, it's like less than a page. Uh, Temple OS. Yeah. Oh, actually, and I want to read the, really King's, the, the King's. I want to read the part from King's. He, he quoted uh, King yeah, James yeah, yeah. Version, uh, 1 Kings 6.21. So Solomon overlaid the house within with pure gold, and he made a petition by the chains of gold before the oracle, and he overlaid it with gold, and the whole house he overlaid with gold, until he had finished all the house. Also, the whole altar that was by the oracle he overlaid with gold, and within the oracle he made two cherubims of olive tree, each each ten cubits high, so the devotion of King Solomon. And then he goes on to say, Temple OS is God's official temple. 
Just like Solomon's temple, this is a community focal point where offerings are made and God's oracle is consulted. <laughs> like the oracle this from the simulator, mm. from the Moses simulator. <laughs> so he's, he goes on to say, <laughs> we, we can take turns if you want. Like, I, I don't mind. Like, um, I, can, I, can read, it, I can read about the, the graphics. Yeah. God said 680 by 480, 16 color graphics is a covenant like circumcision. <laughs> Children will do offerings. Think of 16 colors like the Simpsons cartoons. In the future, even if one GPU were universal, we would keep 640 by 480 16 color and not use GPU acceleration. Graphics operations should be transparent, not hidden in a GPU. And this <laughs> is interesting because so you've got obvious hmm. religious inspiration. So he's saying this is God's resolution. This is God's color scheme. You've got 16 colors because God wants it. But then when he's he- talking about not hiding graphics operations within a GPU, that's coming back to the the fun and transparency thing. So, and accessibility. I, I don't like understand enough about how like how an operating system is going to interact with the GPU to do graphics calculations, <laughs> and how obscure <laughs> or how transparent that is. Like, I I do not know, but at least the way Terry seemed to see it was that was too obscure for it to be fun, and too obscure for someone to just be able to tinker with it as someone would have with a Commodore sixty four. So he doesn't want it. He doesn't want graph. Um, he doesn't want GPU acceleration. <laughs> he doesn't want. He doesn't want ray tracing. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> he did not want ray tracing. <laughs> no CPU ray tracing. Oh yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Very computationally efficient. Yeah, there's the next point is uh, God said to use a single audio voice, a single frequency with waveforms, and maybe amplitude envelope. Like envelope. Um, he. Uh, so the the sounds that it, his operating system makes are really they're like the old school NES the sounds. Yeah, really great. Mm. <laughs> really great. God said his temple must be perfect. We don't think twice about breaking compa- compatibility. He doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> fuck God you, said Max. God said we do a 7-year release cycle. I say the PC hardware follows a 49-year jubilee cycle like broadcast TV upgrades. The vision is the same usage model and niche as the Commodore 64, <laughs> a non-networked simple machine where programming was the goal, not just a means to an end. Um, That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> it's but it's a, interesting it's a kayak, Again, the, a, the whole thing about how it should be fun. So programming is the goal. So the process of programming is what, at least in part, he was aiming at. That and communing with God. But he at says, least part uh, of the, the point was was to program, not just to program for yeah. an instrumental purpose, but for the sake of programming. That's so interesting. He actually had a really easy... Mm. Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> he had a really interesting point of view on what he was trying to accomplish. Um, mm. Let me say, are there any other... Uh, low line count is the highest good, so it is easy to learn the whole thing. Users should see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. One file system, for example, is better than many file systems. There is a limit of 100,000. I think he ended up doing 150,000 lines or something, but uh, maybe I'm misquoting there. Um, not including applications and demos. Oh, okay. So maybe it was like the demos and stuff added to it, but the actual operating mm. system oh, okay. was less than 100,000 lines. Oh, that's actually, yeah, that is actually really impressive. <laughs> Uh, um, <laughs> let me see. Yeah, 
That's really interesting. There are ju- there are a bunch of things here that I just I don't understand. What it, what what's it interesting is he um he said no networking, so malware is not an issue. Yeah, interesting. Mm. So he's trying to keep it pure. Um, yeah, because he I don't think he wanted to bother with permissions at all. Like you you just do do whatever. That's so interesting. And yeah, so it's yeah, almost like yeah. the operating system itself. He was aiming for it to be like a toy. It's like here's a here's a here's a self-contained small operating system that you can go and understand, and then you can just like mess around with it however you want. Is almost like how he's thinking. Mm. And, but in order to like accomplish that, he needed to like make it minimal and not overcomplicated mm. and not introduce like threat vectors like networking and stuff. That's so interesting. He should almost like you could almost imagine like that inspiring like a, a new genre of operating systems of like toy operating systems to to like tinker with. That's really interesting. Toy operating system is an interesting way to put it. Yeah, yeah. So this thing to play around with. Yeah, and again, so it's like that. The it's these two things coexist. This system. this sense of playfulness, but also yeah. it like there, there is divine worship. This is also to worship God. Divine worship, playfulness, and then technical, technical capabilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about we open up the purpose of life? This is, this is Terry talking more about his, his more scrambled view of the world. He gets away from technical matters here. This is this is more reminiscent of actually how he wrote a number of his his posts on on various message boards. It's much more scrambled. He talks... There's a lot of Bible talk. Yeah, sure. I quote, The Catholic purpose of life is to know God, love God, and obey God. Pope Francis said it was to serve the other. I am high priest of God's official temple, and I say the purpose of life is to do continual offerings to God like Cain and Abel and enjoy God's response. Francis has a charity. I have a church. Jesus said loving God was more important than loving neighbor. It it is interesting. So in a number of his videos and a number of his streams, Terry talks about how it's really, really important, how entertainment is very important, and entertainment is really important for God. So humans exist in large part to entertain God. For God, humans are like soap operas, and God likes watching soap operas. Additionally, a source of entertainment for God is is human offerings, and a, in many places, I think in Temple OS, you can offer offerings to God by mashing spacebar, that sort of thing. So he talks extensively about about offerings. It's interesting too. He he he's, he mentions talking to God here. So I quote. There's something obviously different about people in the Bible compared to people today. God talked. Also, the people in the Bible were obsessed with doing offerings all the time. It is required that you do offerings before God will talk. Did the people in the Bible hear voices? Maybe. More likely, they used occult techniques such as an oracle. 1 Kings 6.20 Have you heard of tongues? 1 Corinthians 14.1 The idea is, you let yourself be puppeted by a spirit, so you say things. You try to get a spirit, the Holy Spirit, to talk. You might as well use a Ouija board. However, it turns out that a Ouija board is bad for technical reasons. A really good technique is just randomly opening a book. God told me in an oracle 
that it is a covenant that you hold up your end of the conversation. So here we see a lot of aspects of Terry's view of the world and the design principles of, of Temple OS stated where this, this idea of randomly opening a book, of ran- randomness being an expression of God, is it's, it's good in a book. It's technically better in Temple OS because you can just press spacebar and you get random responses from God. And within Temple OS, you can do this, but you can also give offerings and, and talk to God. So he, he, he did biblically derive a, a number of Temple OS functions, which this whole, this whole project is just, it's just, it's just wild. It really, it's, it's a, a scrambled worldview, but given the, the intellectual heft to really bring it to fruition, to further it and deepen it. It's devotional. It's truly the meaning of devotional. It is, it is devotional. I'm not saying that I would like to have schizophrenia. Certainly not. It sounds horrible. Um, mm. But I'm kind of like, I kind of found myself, uh, how would I put it? Not jealous, but kind of. I don't know if it's envious is the right word, um, of like the sense of um, devotional meaning that he got from it. I was like, man, imagine ha- having something like that you're so committed to. You know, like obviously non-schizophrenic people can have that as well. They find something so um, so powerful to just like commit themselves to like working on this thing for 10 years or 20 years or however long. Mm. I think that's, that's cool. I, I would like that. It'd, it'd be nice to have something like that. <laughs> yeah, it it also good. seems exhausting. So maybe it's not, maybe it's a, it's a, it's mm-hmm. a double-edged sword. What about this? God's favorite animals are bears and elephants. They are funny shaped. I think God must have seen too much starvation over the years. If the purpose of life is to know and love God, then a priest's job is to make everybody know and love God. By saying God likes bears and elephants, I did more toward that end than all priests in history. <laughs> I also what about this? When you pray, be witty and charming and rarely earnest. Enjoy God's company without imposing on him and don't expect secrets of the universe. Earnestness in prayer is the root of much evil. Be entertaining. Don't remind him of sin. Lol. How about we do um question and God's answers? So this is this is towards the bottom of the um Purpose for life. Of this page. Yeah, so he would ask God questions and then use the talk to God function to get mm. answers back. So he'd normally he'd normally get a really, really long string of text and then pick out a bit of it that he felt was meaningful. For example, question. War, God's answer. Servicemen competing. Question, is the world perfectly just? God's answer, are you calling me lazy? <laughs> so it's, it's, this, it's this combination of quite whimsical questions, quite deep <laughs> questions, and then technical <laughs> questions. So, for example, on using Markov chains, God's no answer. Weights. No, no weights. No weights. 
That's actually a pretty. That's actually a pretty good answer. <laughs> Just have a completely unweighted Markov chain. It's complete chaos. <laughs> but that's but that, that's actually what he's doing though, in some sense, with this talk to God function. Like it's it's just random. <laughs> it is unweighted. Uh, that's really yeah. He had he had some wit, didn't he? Um, it. What about uh? The Holocaust. (laughs) Answer. Wanted to compact the Jews. Yep. Or Arab slash Jews as the question. Answer. Oil funny, hopefully. Mm. What about uh, on racism? (laughs) Sports. Mm. Mm. On socialism. Favorite thing on TV. Pardon the French. (laughs) Soap operas. Likes. Beverly Hillbillies. Oil is a favorite animal. <laughs> Elephant two. Favorite animal. Bears. Favorite color. Gold. Favorite color. Iceberg blue. Mm. Favorite car. Beamer. Pets. Homo. Sports. Homo. Favorite sport. Hockey. Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Homo. Smelling farts. Sodom. It's just, it's just he there was, are so many of these as well. Just, just imagine constructing your worldview from this. Or what about elephants? Answer: mini skirts. There's one hardest part of evolution: getting monkey mothers to hold babies nursing, smothering a problem. Hmm. 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 Yes. <laughs> Happiest day in evolution. What about fruit? <laughs> <laughs> Significant thing in Do evolution. you like chess Fish people? Shoulders. Do not admire the proud. He must have been just, just so weird. Just to think that this guy was like <laughs> I mean, communing with a random word selector or word, random sentence generator. And, you know, imagine if he had access to chat GPT. Like, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. The, I bet you is ChatGPT unweighted enough though. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't think it's sufficiently unweighted. unweighted. There, I bet you there's people with um, schizophrenia or whatever who who are spending a lot of time talking to ChatGPT. I bet you that's that's mm. happening mm. somewhere. I'm sure it is. Um, what about his eleventh? His 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 commandments. He's got the eleventh commandment: "Thou shall not litter." Twelfth commandment, don't shoot unarmed men on the shitter. (laughs) Thirteenth commandment, no gore unless it looks fake. Fourteenth commandment, no pedophilia or child porn. Fifteenth commandment, don't eat rare meat with blood. Sixteenth commandment, no wife beating. Seventeenth commandment, do not swing from radio towers with one hand. That Mm. sounds like more of a... (laughs) <laughs> More of a That's niche one. Helpful advice from God. <laughs> I, I like at the at the opening end. of Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> he has like he finishes it with on death. Awful. Opening of Saving Private Ryan. Awful. Ouch. <laughs> like have some trivial questions for God. Have some have some profound questions for God. <laughs> His uh his demands page too is pretty funny because 
a lot of these are sort of divinely inspired demands of other software developers. For example, I quote, Microsoft must, ca- must cancel Secure Boot because it makes dual booting impossible. Temple OS is an additional mm. operating yeah. system that must be used alongside Windows or Linux, not as a replacement. It must dual boot because it has no networking. Real hardware as opposed to VMware is like the difference between looking in a telescope eyepiece versus just looking at an offline image. God said the C- Commodore 64 slash Apple II generation owed ancestral lands. VMware is like being taken off of our land and moved into a reservation. In this case, however, it will not stand. And he's just, he's got a lot of these. (laughs) Another demand? VMware has a bug stretching 640 by 480 16 color to full screen. VMware's PC speaker's distortion is a good idea, but it is too much for him. He's got a lot of these. Again, this this mashup of obvious technical knowledge with with actual schizophrenia, but just frank delusions. It's just wild. Temple, Temple OS is wild. <laughs> he says, you'll like this one, Jack, down the bottom. He says, Microsoft Paint and Linux's GIMP must support Temple OS GRA files. They are blemish-free, unlike BMP files. <laughs> <laughs> he really doesn't does not like bitmap files. He complains about bitmap and wave files a lot and he uses them as I guess canonical examples as as to why you should design things to be perfect and then not update, which was his plan for Temple OS. Cuz he says both of those things bitmap and wave files started off good and just got shitter and shitter as they were as they were updated over time. How much more do you have to say about Temple OS? Not a huge amount. I think um, mm. it's pretty wacky. I guess actually, we could we could make more reference like, to um, Terry's way of communicating because I anticipate that's probably how a lot of people know about him. Mm. I think also like certain certain people will by using the term "glowy" online to refer to a. An intelligence agent will be, knowingly or not, referencing Terry because he's got a. There's a particular clip of him when he's he's streaming himself very agitatedly talking about glow fellas, saying that CIA agents glow in the dark. Uh, they're glow fellas, and so you should just run them over in your car when you see them. Hmm. So yeah, that's the etymology of the term "glowy" to refer to a, an intelligence agent online. The Terry's unique way of communicating definitely got more pronounced as as his schizophrenia worsened, became more and more vulgar and more full of racial slurs. That were, it's a combination of I think he was using them apparently to ward off psychological warfare tactics by intelligence agencies as well as the British Broadcasting Corporation. But also, as his schizophrenia got more and more dense, I think there, mm. there, pro- there did seem to be an element of just racial resentment to it as well. Mm. So there are videos of him when he was still living with his parents but becoming unmanageable screaming at his dad about someone being black and his dad saying 
I don't care if he is black, what does it matter? And Terry just saying, like, no, it matters, it matters, it matters. Mm. Mm. So it it's sort of hard to know. So mm. I've seen online many people say you know, Terry was just using it to scramble what he thought were intelligence agencies trying to stop him from building the third temple. There wasn't a malicious component to it. But mm. he certainly does seem to be developing more and more malice in it as he got older and as the schizophrenia got worse. Yeah, that wouldn't you surprise know, me. To what extent yeah. you say, like, you should, you, you should know, hold a really, really sick man accountable for this. Mm. You know, he, he was, his brain was pretty scrambled, especially by the time he was using racial slurs extensively. Mm. I, I, I think I, I, he also was, like, smoking a lot of weed, I think, in certain points of his mm. life, he mentioned, which, like, is going to exacerbate the um his illness so mm. yeah i don't know i, I don't really I, have anything else to say yeah. about about terry's particular use of language i wouldn't even really bring it up uh, besides the fact that many people seem to know him just for this reason that yeah he was that schizophrenic guy who would program while just dropping n-bombs on stream yeah. So it's like it's worth just briefly mentioning. It's far from the as most a, interesting part of Terry. It's like the least yeah, interesting. Yeah, part. if you watch his videos, there is like there's Terry ease you need to learn yeah. to filter. To me, it's just like he was a very sick person, and this was one mm. um part of his illness, and he was also mm. like really um aggressive as well you know that was another part of he would just like flip out yeah. and stuff and just start yelling at people and, and that grew more pronounced you know that was part of that was part of um him becoming more and more unwell as he got older yeah <clears throat> yeah far from the most interesting aspect of terry but one that one that has got him like he's still a very mu- a niche figure but one that seems to have gotten him very minor internet notoriety. Yeah. I don't have a huge so, amount else. Do you have anything else to mention? Me neither. Also, it's like, I mean, pe- people won't be aware of this because we talked about it beforehand. I'm sick and I'm just loaded on caffeine and Panadols at the moment. And so I've got a, I've got a definite shelf life <laughs> for this episode. Yeah. I'll get a crash pretty soon. <laughs> So um, we normally finish these episodes by talking about whether we would recommend something or not. In the case of Terry Davis and Temple OS, that's, it's not as straightforward as should you or should you not read a given book by a given author. Mm. Should you install Temple OS on a virtual machine and have a go of it? I don't know. I haven't done that. If you're, if you're technically competent and you want to do that and explore it, have, uh, have a go, I guess. Just download um Should you look you at should you watch there. Terry's videos? I think actually, yeah, it's pretty interesting seeing this interface between technical coherence and a schizophrenic worldview. Mm. I'll I'll include the archive.org link to the to all of Terry's videos in the, the show notes so that people can just flick through so those. Like there are some of his highlights. Hours and yeah. hours and hours of videos. Yeah. 
particularly seeing the ones where he's actually he's programming in Temple OS. At it, it, like those are just interesting. It's interesting mm. seeing mm. this man mm. create a coherent structure within the the framework of a completely scrambled <laughs> sense of reality. That, that's it's generally genuinely interesting. And also, if you read some of the um, his writings, you can find on Wayback Machine. Those are interesting too. I guess in totality, would I recommend Terry Davis? Yeah, have have a look at him. He's he's interesting. It's also a, a cautionary tale. If anyone listening has particularly mental illnesses which which can can go psychotic, like schizophrenia or or bipolar disorder, mm. it's also a good motivation to get treated to, mm. to mm. stay treated because yeah, they can go bad really quickly. Yeah. Read some of, like, the comments as well. Like, people really like him. <laughs> he, and he inspired yeah, a lot of people yeah. and a lot of conversations. And I think that's kind of it's interesting. He has a, a strange legacy for somebody who... It's um, a very odd legacy. Who's, who is so unwell. Um, but just the fact that he's inspiring programmers to just pursue the things that they find creatively fun i think is um like all around the world uh, i think that's that's a beautiful legacy um to have mm, mm. even if he achieved it in a very strange strange way um there is one thing to note he says on his uh on his templeos.org website which i assume has been um maintained um by his estate or or his fans. It says, uh, in the wake of Terry Davis's passing, his family has requested supporters of his to donate to organizations working to ease the pain and suffering caused by mental illness, such as the Brain and Behavior Research Foundation and the National Alliance on Mental Illness. So, hey, like if you like this episode and if you like, you go and check out Temple OS or whatever, like donate to one of those organizations. Um, that's also a good part of his legacy that's mm. um, been doing good stuff. Um, I did have one final quote to leave the episode with from him that <laughs> yeah. I really liked. And his talk, when he was talking about Temple OS, he said, um, uh, it's a, he must have had a bird, I assume. Or maybe this was a bird who came to like his window. Oh, the something. fucking birds. He, no, he, he if, said, if you watch his videos, those things are chirping through so many of them. It's so oh, okay, fucking right. annoying. So he says. <laughs> it's, it's continuous. <laughs> he says. Okay, I can't, I, I've completely forgot to mention that. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge feature of some of his videos. It's <laughs> just the fucking, fucking birds. birds. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> he says. Um, he says, quote, when my bird was looking at my computer, I thought, whoa, that bird has no idea what he's looking at. And yet, what does the bird do? Does he panic? No, he can't really panic. He just does the best he can. Is he able to live in a world where he's so ignorant? Well, he doesn't really have a choice. He, yeah, he can kind of live. Usually the bird's okay, even though he doesn't understand the world. And he can kind of learn what's safe and what's dangerous. So, uh, yeah. That's where I've been living. Just a just a bird looking at Temple OS mm. in a world that's dangerous. Yeah. Poor Terry. Yeah, poor Terry. God bless. Yeah. Go and check it out. I think it's cool. Go and check it out. Yeah. Okay. In terms of next episode, I've been sick, so I haven't <laughs> I haven't organized. 
what we're doing next week, but we'll be doing something. This is the first episode in quite a while that we've recorded video for. So if you're interested in seeing our faces, you can go on YouTube and and watch us talk about <laughs> Temple OS. Preferably, preferably listen to this on as many audio platforms as possible before watching it multiple times in a row on YouTube. Levi finally convinced me or convinced me again to to record my face. I don't really like being on camera. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get used to it. Hopefully this, this episode wasn't too stilted. We'll get used to it. I um yeah, we'll get used to it. I think it's nice. Get another skill to learn and another way to Yeah. Um connect with our audience if they're interested in watching two guys talk to each other. <laughs> gazing Online. upon our faces. Yeah. Lovingly it, watching. It us won't talk be a particularly Terry Davis like visual experience. Um, but I guess if you like looking at our faces, fine. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. See you next time.